Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. No relationship, no matter how much the two people love each other, is immune from stressors and challenges. This includes those that relationship coaches and marriage counselors are in. The difference is that they have the knowledge and tools to know how to productively address these things. And if they don't use them regularly, their relationships will end as well. But today, you're going to get a deeper look into how one licensed marriage and family therapist keeps her marriage of more than 18 years alive and thriving. Susan Hartman Brenizer is here to share her tips to keep on how to keep the spark going in your marriage or rekindle it if it's gone a little bit flat. So Susan, thanks for coming on the show and talking about this because I know, I mean, we were just talking about this before I started recording, that you know, people expect us to have perfect relationships. Like, we never have That's any trouble true. or challenges. And I'm just like going, you want to come visit my house sometime? <laughs> right, right. That is true. Absolutely true. We have the same issues and problems and family of origin issues as everyone else. Oh, yeah. So uh, the reason why I wanted you on the show is because you were interviewed for an article that appeared in Brides Magazine titled, 10 Things a Relationship Therapist Does to Keep the Spark Alive in Her Marriage. And so I took those 10 and I've given a little bit of thought about how to group those 10 things. And I'd really like to talk about two of them that I think are both key and related. And the two are empathy and not passing judgment. So can you briefly describe each and talk about what each looks like on a day-to-day basis? Yes, I'll certainly give it a try. (laughs) Um, I said in the Brides article, and I still, of course, maintain, that empathy should be the cornerstone of every intimate relationship or marriage. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just, I heard you, it is, I hear you and I get how you're feeling Mm. um, or what you're thinking about that. Uh So if someone comes home from work and they tell you something that went on at work, to be able to say, you must be excited about that or you must be tired, Uh, I hear that you are sad. Uh These are, are ways that we tell people, I didn't just, hear your words, I hear you, I hear your feelings uh. and, your, and your thoughts. And it is the cornerstone of my marriage. My husband and I set this up from the very beginning. Uh, we're both very good at it, but we also have read a lot of books. <laughs> we've gone to couples therapy at times when we've needed to. Um, we just really value it. And If you want to break empathy down into its quote-unquote granular parts, uh, it has to do with, I do not react, I respond. Mm. So I put my needs on the back burner temporarily to hear about yours. Now, that doesn't mean for the whole evening, Uh but that means temporarily. So I ask Things like, well, what was that like for you? Uh Um, Couples who learn how to do this uh, do it automatically after a while. And I think it's the number one emotional skill that keeps marriages or partnerships viable. 
Uh, yeah. we, we crave this. Well, yes, I, can't, I, I, I need to put this down on my, you know, like right above my desk because there's a quote, and I wish I could remember who said it, I, is that feeling heard is as close to feeling loved that for most people there is no difference. And what you're talking about is that empathy, that really feeling heard, yeah. being seen, not having to right. justify the feelings or defend the feelings, but just so, you know, yeah, I had a really crappy day. And somebody go, right. oh, tell me about that. And they really want, you know, and they, they don't, they're, they're not trying to fix it or play devil's advocate or they're just really fully present and, and experiencing you in that moment is what I'm hearing. Yeah, the, worst, the worst thing you could do is play devil's advocate. Oh. Well, what about this person's point of view? What about your boss's point of view? Uh, or jump in and try to problem solve. We mm. are adults. We need to solve our own problems. And so if you want to give advice, understanding needs to precede advice. Right. So the under, understanding would be, you know, wow, that sounds tough. And then maybe later you might even ask, my husband and I do this all the time, we ask each other, do you want my advice? Right. Because we're both problem solvers <laughs> uh, by nature. Mm -hmm. And uh, we could both just jump in and problem solve for the other, but that would be so infantilizing. Yes. I mean, he has to solve his own problems. I have to solve my own problems. And so many studies have been done with a parent and a six-month-old baby. I just happened to see this one at a conference I went to recently uh -huh. where the parent looks at the baby and smiles and the baby coos and points to objects and laughs and is animated. And then they do this experiment where the parent turns his head 180 degrees. Uh -huh. So the baby's seeing the back of the parent's head for you know, several minutes, and the baby gets agitated, uh -huh. stops cooing, doesn't point, moves around in the car seat, tries to get the parent's attention. Then they go into crying, looking dejected, and kind of withdrawing from the situation. And we are basically the same. This is yep. the blueprint, you know. <laughs> we are the grown-up version of that, which is why empathy is the cornerstone. I love it. Can you say a little bit about not passing judgment? Because that, I think, goes hand in hand with empathy. That, that oh, just does. because you, I don't have to feel the same way about this situation, but I can't stand in judgment and go, that's silly or you're too sensitive. I, any time that word too shows up, to me, is a right. judgment word. Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, if you want to get right into abusive relationships, that is the abuser's fist uh -huh. verbally is you're too sensitive, which right. is uh, mean-spirited, it's critical, it's definitely passing judgment. Uh -huh. But I would say that not passing judgment is, is the, or passing judgment is the opposite of empathy, isn't uh -huh. it? Yeah. I mean, re research and practice have shown us again and again criticism is the number one killer of marriages followed by defensiveness. Uh -huh. Now it's really, really hard unless you're super emotionally healthy to not get defensive when you're criticized, especially by your partner, your number <laughs> one, per, you know, go-to person. Yeah. Um, some people can get to the point where they say, all right, you know, put their hand up. I'm feeling criticized. Can you try that again? 
Mm-hmm. And that would be ideal. But most of us don't really attain that level of, you know, emotional intelligence. But right. um, criticism and defensiveness are the number one and number two killers of marriages. And doctors John and Julie Gottman have done a lot of research on this. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely deadly. It's deadly. Right. Uh, criticism is also a judgment. It's a yeah. thought. It's not a feeling. It's not coming from the heart. So if you are angry that your spouse is late, for instance, if you want examples uh, late for the dinner you made, ask yourself, would you respond best to, quote, you are late again, you don't care about me, which is criticism, or I'm feeling a bit hurt and angry that you are late. Can you please acknowledge how I feel? Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, the first, the second one is much more inviting to that to to the to your late spouse. <laughs> right, you can have a conversation, you can resolve it with some understanding of each person's point of view. You can eat the dinner and go into your evening. Right. Uh, the other one is going to start an argument. Well, and it's interesting because that leads right into the next the next grouping that I wanted to talk about because. Three of the things you mentioned have to do with communication. How do we talk to people? So communicating your needs, listening attentively, and resolving conflict with conversation. So could you share what makes them important and more critically, again, how to put these things into practice? Because that's, right, right. You know, knowing it intellectually is one thing. Doing it is something altogether different. That is true. Uh, Just to say one more thing about judgment, and I say this to my couples all the time in therapy, with judgment, you can think of it as having three partners in the room. The partner number one, partner number two, and partner number three is the marriage. Mm -hmm. So if you're judging partner, if partner number one is judging partner number two, that takes a hit on the marriage because partner number two is going to feel hurt maybe withdraw, maybe get angry, maybe get defensive back, and then it takes a hit on the marriage. Who loses in the end with that? Partner number one. Uh-huh. So the whole, the whole thing with having a viable marriage is working towards win-win solutions. Yep. And that might sound like pie in the sky, but it really is not. I mean, it really needs to happen, and people can work on this to make it happen. So, well, I mean, okay. and, the, and the thing, Go if ahead. I want to say one thing, and the thing is, is that you don't have to be perfect. It is the concept of this is my goal, right? And if I can keep this right. in my mind that the win, win, win is the goal, then we're going to right. hit it more often, you know. So right. anyway, so then let's get in on to the communication because this is, you know, I, I, you know, I joke about and, and my listeners go, oh, gosh, she's talking about communication again, you know, right. be, because it is such a foundational piece of how oh, yeah. of how we interact with each other. Well, communication is everything. Let's be honest. So if your listeners are saying here she goes again, <laughs> there's a reason why here she goes again. Right. We cannot read another person's mind. Oh, I mean, the mind reading have, school of marriage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, partners really have to say what they feel and think. Mm-hmm. And again, without putting down the other person, we have these whole color wheels that diagram feelings to teach couples how to first identify how they are feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lucky ones of us grow up in emotionally intelligent families 
that engage in what we now call emotion coaching. Right. It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to throw that block at your sister's head, for instance. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? um, but those are the lucky ones of us. Most mm-hmm. of us have to learn it as we go along. Just like we get, we get incredible training in how to use our computers and our smartphones, but we don't get training in how to communicate with our most intimate partner. Right. So we, have, we actually have color wheels to diagram feelings to teach couples how to first identify how they're feeling. Uh And instead of judging, um, you know, just like we tell children, again, use your words. We have to use our words, right? It's the same thing for adults. We have to use our words to tell how we feel and what we think. Uh Um, If we trust from earlier, if we trust each other that we won't be criticized we can be honest about what we feel, and uh-huh. then we can be our authentic selves. And isn't that really what we all want, is to be able to be our authentic selves? I want to bring an example of this. I saw the uh, comedian and talk show host Andy Cohen recently interviewed, uh-huh. and he said that he was single, and he was asked, what are you looking for in a mate? Uh-huh. And without hesitation, he answered, Someone I can come home to and talk about anything and be my authentic self. And I just thought, bingo, Andy, you really hit the nail on the head. That is perfect. Right. That's exactly it, what, what we're talking about here. Well, I mean, and, and it's, you know, and, and I, t- I say, you know, that nobody has to take a relationship one-on-one class and everybody should. And, and learning how to communicate well would be the foundation right. because, Right. You know, I mean, and it's you and and it's not difficult in concept, but we don't practice it because we haven't been we haven't been taught. I mean, one of the things right. I tell my clients is avoid the word you oh, unless sure. it's I love you, you're wonderful, I'm glad you're in my life. Then please use it to your heart's content and never use why right. and you in the same sense. Right, right, right. <laughs> because because yeah. you know, and and in staying in the, you know, it hurts me when this happens that you can be implied, but I'm not saying, you know, you know, or the example you gave about the person coming home late and you know, and right. then saying, well, then you don't care about me. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then we're off to the races in this, in this fight. Right. And then the other thing is, is the people who get into an argument about who said what, and it's like, okay, unless you have a tape recorder or a video camera or some right. way of, it's like, right. you don't hear what the other person says. Because right. of all I mean, this we, other stuff. We really, can, we really can train couples to use I statements automatically. <laughs> right. You know. Uh, and it's not an I, I statement to say, I think you're being an idiot. That is not an I yeah. statement. No, no, no. You can't add a criticism onto an I statement or you erase the I statement. <laughs> right. right. You know, things like you're ridiculous or that is wrong. I mean, those <laughs> things just need to be erased from a couple's vocabulary. Right. We, it's called lazy speech, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and... I guess listening attentively was the next one, which is right. which is the same thing as empathy. Uh-huh. Um, it's how we show empathy. There's no authenticity if we do not listen attentively. We call it active listening, and you can learn those skills. We do have couples learn those skills so that, with that over time, people do it automatically. Right. So with, without hesitation, you can say things like, it sounds like you're getting run down. Mm-hmm. or you seem sad, or that sounds exciting. 
That's uh-huh. called listening attentively as opposed to, yeah, yeah, okay, I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, moving on through your right? evening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to help someone feel like they've really been listened to. Well, I mean, and both of those things are really critical to resolving issues. I mean, it, you know, it's like if we can't, you know, and, and I mean, there's a whole can of worms, I guess, for lack of better words, about about how people handle um, disagreements and and whatever. But but if but if we can't listen without judgment and listen attentively and pay attention and and you know, it, it's like they're all connected. We can't resolve things if we can't talk about them. And Absolutely. You know, so that's so that's so critical. So this is happily ever after is just the beginning on WebTalkRadio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with fellow licensed marriage and family therapist, Susan Hartman Brenizer, about what she does to keep her marriage alive and thriving. And relationship professionals are not perfect partners, nor do we have perfect relationships. What we do have is knowledge about what works. But knowing what to do without actually doing it is where trouble starts, which is why marriage is often much harder than it needs to be. And if you want to have a better relationship and both want more information and guidance in putting that information to work, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and either send me an email or give me a phone call to schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship session. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and is as and as in Nancy C as in Charlie.com. And I want to get back to this conversation about how to keep your the things to do that you to keep your marriage alive and thriving. So Susan, you actually recommend three actions that I took a look at as more on the practical side. These are okay. giving compliments, affirming okay. the relationship with loving gestures, and here's a biggie dividing household tasks. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, there's there's one for you. So how do these things help in, in keeping things going smoothly? Okay, which one would you like me to take on first? Well, let's start with the giving compliments. Because you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we, for, we, we can get complacent right. in long-term relationships. Right, right. right. I think giving compliments cannot be understated. Uh, that we fall into contentment in many long-term relationships. And that's okay. But if we're not intentionally grateful for our partner and what got us to this contentment, we are risking it. Mm. I've heard many partners in marriages say, well, I told him I was proud of his career years ago. So I have to keep saying it? Yes. The answer, yes. (laughs) We all like to know we are appreciated by the partner who is closest to us. To say, well, she obviously knows I'm attracted to her because I've said it in the beginning. Uh, No, that's not enough. She needs to hear it regularly. We all get busy and we get into what I'll call our own orbit, if you will. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. to get through the day, how to take care of career issues, child issues, household things. And we're not really thinking about, does he think I'm attractive? Does he think my professional accomplishments are fabulous? Right. Uh, and vice versa. 
Yeah. So I, we need I love to that. hear that. Yeah. yeah, we absolutely need to hear that and come out of our own orbit, just like with active listening, come out of our own orbit long enough to acknowledge mm-hmm. our partner. Um, and yeah, we, that's, we, yeah nothing. To, we, we all need this on some very deep level because we need to know, am I valued? Mm-hmm. Are you attracted to me? And do you appreciate all that I do? Well, and it's so critical because I I talk about people putting their relationships on the back burner and they start dealing with like the day to day and the kids and the this and the that. And then suddenly they, you know, they, they go to the back burner and, and, and there's nothing, and there's nothing there because they haven't paid any attention to it. And it doesn't really take that, that much to, I mean, um, you know, to, to share that with your partner. The, The other thing you talked about, which I think is related is affirming the relationship with loving gestures. What does, I mean, I, I know some people are thinking, oh, well, that's, you know, I, I'm assuming that's things like hugs, doing things for each other. Um, for me, one of the loving gestures that I tell people, just saying please and thank you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, that's acknowledgement. That's mm-hmm. acknowledgement of what you did. Like last night, for instance, I made a chicken dinner that I've made, I don't know, 2,000 times. Mm-hmm. And my husband was eating it and he said, God, I love this chicken dinner. <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah, I've made it a lot. And he goes, yes, but every time you make it, I love it all over again. <laughs> out of the blue. Out of the blue. Right. And I felt like a million bucks. And it yeah. was a very simple chicken dinner. I mean, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't but, in there for hours. Yeah, you weren't doing uh, the gourmet it, dinner party. Mm-hmm. No, it was not a gourmet dinner party. It was just the two of us. And he was eating the chicken and saying, God, I just love this. And it's something like that. You know, I walk into the kitchen beaming. Yeah. Just because he said that. Now, he's yeah. had this dinner so many times. He didn't have to say that, but he did. So, I mean, he does this too. And with compliments and affirming gestures, you know, verbally we can say appreciative things, but a lot of this is nonverbal. It is mm-hmm. cuddling in bed. It is hugging hello and goodbye. Um, it's saying basically, I appreciate you. I love being close to you. You are important to me. Yeah, And many couples say, well, that goes without saying. And no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You have to say it. You have to show it. Well, and it's funny because then, when, my, when my husband and I first got together, he said, he said to me, he said, don't expect to hear I love you all the time. Because that what uh-huh. <laughs> he usually says it about once a day. And if he doesn't say it verbally, he actually shows it by his actions. Right. I'm kind of like, okay. Right. I mean, I'm an acts of service kind of gal. So, you know. Right. That works. But but he knows that. Right. So right. let's tackle that last one, because dividing household tasks. Why is yeah. this one of the 10 tips? Well, first of all, this is just a reality of life. You know, mm-hmm. we have to work in order to make money in order to live. We have to uh, cook. We have to go grocery shopping. We have to clean the house. We have to take care of the pets. We have to take care of the children. I mean, somebody's got to do it. (laughs) And, you know, if, if if your partner over functions and starts doing a lot of it, trust me, they're going to resent it. And it's going to come out in some way towards you uh, with a snippy comment or Uh exhausted behavior that will be, you know, have a little edge to it. Uh, Or if you're the one who's over-functioning, and women especially do this with children a lot. Yes, um, they do. That 
Yeah, they do. But women really need to go back. That's where you go back a few steps to what we talked about earlier, to the conflict resolution. Uh-huh. Um, you know, doing chores can actually strengthen the marriage. You don't think of it that way. But if my husband sees me doing chores and he's doing chores too, we're both providing for our household, our family, uh-huh. etc. cetera. Um, and neither one of us is over-functioning. And neither one of us is under-functioning. You don't want either one. You want uh-huh. to, to split it up as best you can. Right. And just acknowledge, you know what, this is not the fun part of life. <laughs> this, is the hard, this is the hard part of life. But, you know, isn't a lot of the things or aren't a lot of the things that are worth much of anything hard? Yeah. Uh, you know, we have to, we have no choice unless we have, you know, maids and uh, chefs and things like that. But even with that, people are still dividing up other things. Who's paying right. the bills? Who's doing this? Uh, so, you know, you want to state your feelings about the chores without shame, blame, mm-hmm. criticism, or judgment. And come up with better solutions if you feel like you're over-functioning. Right. And my, what I say is that anybody who lives in a household if you're over the age of two, has responsibility right. for keeping it running. Two-year-olds right. could be right. helpful, <laughs> but but right. but you know, but we but we do this. We you know, we take you know, people, especially women, take stuff on, and then they get overwhelmed, and it's like you know. But then there's the flip side of, well, if I don't do it, it won't get done. That's the overfunctioning part, and it's like. Right. There's a whole bunch around that as as well. And right. the other thing that I tell people is, don't ask for help. Can you, I mean, now, if I'm struggling to put something on the top shelf of my cabinet, I will talk right. to my six-foot-one right. son with mile-long arms. It's like, hey, honey, can you please put oh, that wow. up there? But when I say, will you wow. help me with this, there's the implication, it's my job in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. So let's go to the, the other The other thing that I think is a buzz phrase and that gets put to, onto women a lot is, can we talk? because <laughs> yeah. I think when women say that I think there's even a, an NFL commercial about that right. saying you know the woman's running after the man can we talk I mean right. that's really not how you approach someone which, set, which sets up the defensiveness in the first place right. the better thing to say is I need to discuss some things at some point let me know what's a good time for you Right. Yep. Get very specific. So I want to go to the right. final, the final two recommendations you make because I think they are so critical and they get so overlooked. You say okay. to accept ownership of your emotions and also to maintain some some level of independence. Um, and right. when I read those, I went yes. <laughs> so right, what makes right. those two things so important? Well, you said it earlier in your statement when you talk about I statement. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that is accepting ownership of your feelings. I'm noticing that I'm feeling annoyed rather than you really screwed up. Mm-hmm. Or that's not how I see it rather than you are wrong. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, which statement would you rather hear? Well, um, plus the other one of you make me mad. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's <laughs> no, not true. No, our feelings come from inside of us, and they're often related to our past, our families of origin, how we experience the world, and a trigger 
in the present with our partner. Mm-hmm. But the partner might be the trigger. It's usually not the source or the Correct. core or the genesis of how we're feeling. So I statements are being honest. Yeah. Um, you didn't make me feel inadequate when you said this. It's I began to feel inadequate when I heard you say blah, 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 blah. Right. That at least gives the person a chance to say, well, you know, that wasn't my intention. That's not what I meant. Uh-huh. I'm sorry you felt that way. And this is so not splitting hairs. Uh-huh. I mean, so many of my couples, they learn the I statement, and then they do put on the, I uh-huh. feel you're an idiot. You know? <laughs> uh, they do. And oh, then, no, no, I know. That's why I said that. It's like, that's not an I statement. I mean, yes, technically that's an I statement. That's not what we mean when we say use I statements. Yeah. yeah, it's still blaming, you know, just to think of, and I say this to my couples too, just, just emblazon, no shame, blame, criticism, or judgment mm-hmm. on your forehead. Right. And everything else coming out of your mouth towards your partner needs to be uh, devoid of this. Well, and it's, you know, and the other one that, and, and this is one of the other things that when I talk, because um, I, I, I'm trying to work more with men, and, you know, and, and I, to, almost to a man, I ask them, what, what do they want? And they say, I want my wife, right. I want to make my wife happy. It's like, right. um, lots of luck. That's her choice as to whether or not she's – now, there are things, obviously, that he can do to improve the possibility that that will be the choice, but it's up to her. It's my choice to be happy in any given situation or be upset or whatever. It's like, yes, so that's one of the other things. But maintaining your your independence. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talk a lot about emotional intimacy uh being the goal here. And Uh emotional intimacy, going back to what Andy Cohen said, I want to come home and be my authentic self. Right. That is emotional intimacy, being known for who you really are. It's Uh not being joined at the hip. We agree on everything. We do everything together. We have the same taste. I mean, that is called fusion. Mm-hmm. And that is really unhealthy, really unhealthy. Um, so, you know, if we want true emotional intimacy, which is the building block of a healthy partnership, um, it's really two separate people who can function independently, mm-hmm. um, more or less depending on age and ability. And that just speaks to elderly couples becoming right. very much dependent on each other in many ways just to drive to the drugstore or drive right. to a doctor's appointment. And that's a different, totally different ball of wax. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to be fused. Uh, one of the strengths that we talk about in couples is called self-soothing. Mm-hmm. So we think of self-soothing more in like the meditation circles or people who run or people who like to sit alone and read a book or do mm-hmm. something to calm themselves down. But self-soothing is really a relationship skill because you're not looking to your partner to soothe you at all times. You say to yourself, well, I can soothe myself. I can calm myself down, and then we can come back and talk about mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z. Uh-huh. Um, and I think having separate hobbies, separate friends, again, if you're young enough and healthy enough, uh-huh. uh, my husband and I have separate hobbies. We have separate friends. Uh-huh. He loves to golf. And so every Saturday and Sunday, 
from early in the morning until noonish, he golfs with this mm-hmm. group of four, three other guys and himself. He mm-hmm. loves it. And he comes home in the best mood. He's got an exercise, fresh air. They make a lot of jokes. Sometimes they go out to lunch. Mm-hmm. He has a blast. Right. And during that time, I read mm-hmm. uninterrupted because that's right. my hobby. I right. love to read. And I sit here with the cats crawling on me, and I'm reading. I'm not uh-huh. doing chores. I'm right. like, this is my time to read. Right. Um, and if he were here, I'd feel like, yeah, you know, we should maybe do something together, or what are, you, what are you up to today? This gives me free reign to do my hobby, and he uh-huh. has free reign to do his. Well, it and, it, 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 it keeps us growing as individuals, which makes us interesting to each other. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, and it's, you know, and again, it's this idea, and I know a lot of people, it's like, well, I have to maintain all independence or I'm going to become codependent. It's like, no, 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 we, we, it's, it's a, not an either or, it's a both and. We, I'm an individual, I'm a partner, I'm a parent, although, thank goodness, both of my children are now grown and out of the house, but right, I'm still mom. Right, right. Um, right. You know, I mean, we don't stop being any of these three things unless we choose to. Right. And then, right. But, but, but I love you bringing up about the self-soothing because it's like, yeah. it's not my partner. Now, I, I, I'm looking to my partner for support, not necessarily right. for solution. It's like, yes, I, I need you to recognize that I'm upset and I, and, you know, and, if, and I need you to be willing to be a, a sounding board for me, but I also need to be able to figure this out by myself and, and, and be okay. Right. Plus, we want to. I think as adults, we want to figure out our own problems. We don't want to be dependent on someone else. Right. We don't want to feel like, oh, I have to tell this person or I can't, you know, I can't right. make a decision. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. If we're, you know, average IQ mm-hmm. and we're able to, you know, make a living or raise children or what have you, we need to be able to figure things out for ourselves. But yep. there are times when I'll go to my husband or I'll call him at work and say, um, I just really need you to help me figure this out. Right. And he loves that because yeah. I just lay it out. <laughs> but that's, I need you to solve. <laughs> right, but that's part of the trust. So, Susan, thank you so much. I wish you and I could be talking about this for another three hours. I, I know. think, but again, I know. Uh, <laughs> but can you please share where people can learn? Um, you know, find you, contact you, learn more about what you do. Well, um, I would say first I have a website, which is www.couplescounselingsyracuse.com. Okay. But because I am licensed in the state of New York, I can see anyone in the state of New York anywhere. Yay. And I also have an email, which is wonderful to reach me, um, which is S, as in Susan, H. A R T B as in boy, R E N I Z as in zebra, E R at gmail.com. Okay. Can you give that one more time? S H A R T B R E N I Z E R at gmail.com. 
perfect. So I have long said that long-term relationships such as marriage don't take work. They take knowledge, intention, and effort. And if any of these are missing in your marriage, it might not be as solid as you would like. So are you willing to take action to change that? And if so, what do you need to get started? Well, hopefully one of the things will be to continue to listen to this show. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.